The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's a mediator for the Orange County. Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, we're talking today with two wonderful guests, one from the East Coast and one from the West Coast, and they basically co-authored the book, Why Do People act that way and what can I do about it and you know we have seen such a dichotomy such a such a difficult time in our country of of feeling so strongly about you know your ideology whether you're a democrat or whether you're a republican or whether you're a libertarian or whatever there's been so much conflict and literally hate and rage that we've seen and and it's been really unfortunate. And so when I saw this book, I thought, wow, this is just great. So let me tell you about, first of all, we're going to be talking with Mike Merrill and another Mike from the West Coast. So we have Mike Merrill and Mike, 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 I'll call him Michael, (laughs) Michael Wilson. And let me tell you a little bit about them. First of all, Mike and Mike are both professional speakers and trainers who have decades of experience engaging people who possess every variable imaginable and trying to help them to come to some collaboration. East Coast Mike, who is the author of this book that I just told you about, has been a local pastor in the same community for 40 plus years. West Coast Mike, who was his editor and wrote the foreword, and they're very, very good friends. And when you hear them, you'll hear it. They, and even though they're from one coast and the other, um, he's been a pastor in several communities in Washington and Oregon for over twenty years. And they are—they're uh, very, very good friends. But they're not the kind of pastors that you might have met previously. When you hear them, you'll know what I'm talking about. East Coast Mike has served as an adjunct instructor at a college in uh, Rochester, New York, for 29 years, and West Coast Mike served in several key capacities in the, I think it's Wenatchee, Washington School (laughs) District for 19 years, and East Coast Mike was a regional and national director of youth ministry development for a denomination for 20 years. Anyway, they both have so much experience in working with people to help them to evolve to be the best that they can be. And so, let's see, an East Coast Mike has written 23 books uh, for use in specialized training. And West Coast Mike has written, has written East Coast Mike off as a kind of a geek, uh, a geeky nerd who knows a lot but needs a good translator. And I think so. That's why West Coast Mike gets involved as his editor and his translator. But they're both wonderful men, and they are incredibly passionate about what they do. 
and they want change and improvement and effectiveness in our world, and that's why I invited them to be my guest. So thank you guys so much for joining us this morning. Very, very, very good to be here, Mari. Okay, so let's start with East Coast, Mike. Um, Can you briefly explain, because you talk about the PE. MB, which is perceptions, emotions, motivations, and behaviors. What can you describe that a little bit more and how an ordinary person can use this concept? Very often in the work that we do, uh, not only locally, but when we work nationally and, and regionally, um, we have found that m- most often situations of conflict or fear or even great camaraderie tend to isolate onto one single emotion or one isolated factor. And what we found is that when we're working towards a truly beneficial team approach within a family, within a business, a church, a civic organization, a community, we found that taking a very holistic approach first, and then narrowing that down to the specific details where the challenges are arising from, that was really important. So we developed this concept that includes four complexes as human beings experience reality and find their place in it. Because everybody has to interpret what's going on around them and what does it mean to them. So that's, that's critical. So we looked at perceptions and emotions, which is a response to our perceptions, motivations, which is how we link that to our preparation for readiness or for action, and then our behaviors, either we engage or we disengage a particular action. So as we looked at those four kind of, we call them complexes, those four areas of human experience, We found by identifying them, that was, number one, extremely helpful, and then describing how they interact and affect each other brings us to usually the critical moment, and now we can work on that. Great. Okay, so so Michael, in using those, how do each of us really develop a sense of reality with regard to those four aspects? Well, I think that, you know, many times, Mari, that people, I I think that that people don't even begin to think about there's something going on here uh, in their life that really has uh, a dynamic to it that's more than just response. Um, And what I mean by that is that we look at perceptions, uh, we say that that there are uh, there are ten senses, and understanding those senses uh, are going to drive how you how you respond emotionally. So, um, example, simple example: um, if you are a person that is uh, is very uh, very sensitive to olfactory, uh, your sense of smell is is what we would call hyper. Right. Um, and so you, you enter a room, uh, you enter a, a room where, say, uh, for example, with you, you're, you're going in a room, there's uh, three or four people, and they're doing mediation. Right. And one of those persons is hyper, 
hyper uh, sensitive to olfactory. Um, and one of the person, new person walks in and they just feel like they've just taken a bath in cologne. And this person is so consumed with the smell, right. even though they're supposed to be in the middle of this mediation kind of stuff. What does that do? That, that raises all kinds of their level in, in the emotions then now they're going to be responding in a different way with their motivations, and then they've got to decide how they're going to engage or disengage in that reality. Right. If they don't even understand, or if the other people sitting in that room don't understand or have a beginning working knowledge of what your senses do to you in driving you in a direction emotionally, um then all of a sudden, all you know is this really makes me upset. I can't focus. I got a headache. Why are these people so inconsiderate? Yada, yada, yada. Right, I mean, that just, right. That's how it goes. We're saying, look, if you even begin to put language to perceptions, emotions, motivation, and behaviors that you can identify, then you are able to start building what we call the diamond in the middle. If you look at our logo, it's it's a Venn diagram of four heads, and in the middle there's this little little uh, question diamond mark. with a question mark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's there on purpose because that to us is okay. What is your reality? There is your reality right there in the center where this Venn diagram comes together with those four pieces. Mm. So beginning to understand and actually being able to articulate that and put some very real terms to it that then helps you to uh, be able to communicate and to understand what your reality is in front of you really will help you in the sense of how you engage in life. Right. So awareness is really the first step to be aware what what is going on with me. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And sometimes yep. for those of us in, in my role as a leader of an event or a team that's trying to accomplish a conference or a family matter, whatever the situation might happen to be, it becomes my role to be more aware of all of these factors at the same time so that I can bring a person's attention to something that's actually affecting how they understand reality and their part in it, but may not be aware of that at all. So Mike had made a mention of somebody taking a bath in a cologne. If they took a slightest, slightest spray, but it was an old spice that one person's grandfather used to wear, and they loved that grandfather, you find them becoming all of a sudden more uh, compliant and agreeable. But if it's a scent that irritates them that they're, hated aunt used to wear uh, and now they become combative and you're going where is this coming from and it's like I don't understand why all of a sudden you've turned this corner well being aware of all what we call elements the 22 elements now you can bring into awareness what the other participants might not even know that's why we wrote this material yeah you know what I used to do you guys would get a kick out of this I used to have like fresh baked muffins in my morning mediation so it smelled people would come in and oh it smells so good or you know christmas time i would have things and and i knew what i was doing you know absolutely (laughs) 
<laughs> so, I mean, but I mean, that people would in. come in and they'd feel, oh, it smells so good in there. Even yeah. if they weren't going to eat the muffin, it you know, it it smelled like comfort, right? <laughs> exactly, and that's one of the things they do in real estate is they'll tell you, uh, go get some frozen bread and bake it in your oven an hour before the people come. Right. So the house smells like a home. Or cinnamon, right? That you just boil cinnamon, right? Oh, yeah, 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 that too. Like, yeah. Oh wow, it smells like it smells like homemade bread, or it smells like cinnamon rolls. Right. And, yeah. I mean, it's that. But that that's a really good example of how that works. Yeah. 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 And I, you know, I would try to do that. And and I know for me, in trying when people, I know they're coming in angry, right? I know that. Yeah, right. I, I don't have to guess about that. Right, right. <laughs> so I have to do everything in my power to change that that perception of anger, not, not sit them mm-hmm. sit them in a certain way where they don't see the other person face to face. You know, mm-hmm. I, I have to use a lot of those same ideas of using whether it's perception or emotions or behaviors and kind of do a, a reframe on everything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I have to reframe mm-hmm. everything. So, so let's yeah. talk now about what are the five emotional systems that each human has. So um, who wants to talk about that first? This, this is East Coast, Mike. When, when, I, when I started my career as a young uh, teenager, I was the kind of kid that all my friends unloaded their problems. Adults <laughs> would talk to me about, uh, things they, they just wanted to unload. And I was a, a confidant. And so I was the individual that many people turned to just to be a good friend and a good listener. So uh, as I chose my career as a young person, trying to uh, aim the trajectory of my life as best I could, my first inclination was to be a clinical psychologist. So I took everything I could in the clinical and psychological preparation um, area. The thing that I found is that it, it works really well with someone that has a clinical problem, but the vast majority of people that we work with are not in a clinical uh, type of scenario where they need a diagnosis, some kind of therapy or medication, and a prognosis for outcomes. They just want to talk about how they feel. So I found that much of what I had learned tend to be a box into which I was making a great deal of effort to to put them in my box and treat them that way. So as I, I broke out of that venue and found out really most people find that quite offensive, I began a 10-year professional journey of just listening to how people talk with no agenda. I didn't have any plan at all. And I took some notes, not by person and location, but by concept. And over a 10-year period, I found that my sheets of notes tended to congeal into five similar kinds of ideas. Feelings, emotions, reactions, responses tend to pull together, and I developed a five emotional system concept. Then I tested that out, and it took me almost 25 years to do this. Um, I was extremely careful, and I tried not to overload conversations with my prejudice, I, I did everything I could to be as neutral as I could and then allow people to guide themselves, if you will, uh, in and through their emotions. So eventually I came up with the idea 
that has been encoded in our material, there are five emotional cores or emotional systems mm-hmm. that, that all of our many, many emotional words fit into. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was how we came up with the idea. Okay. So who wants to talk about acceptance, exposure, empowerment, <laughs> depletion, and celebration? Or do you want to split them up? So, Michael, do you want to talk about a couple of them, and then we go back to Mike? Well, we, we, we tend to bounce back and forth through actually uh, doing them together, which is fine. Uh, um, I, I think that where you, where you find in the, in the whole dynamic of these the five, which you just said, which are acceptance, exposure, empowerment, depletion, and celebration, I think one of the things that people need to understand is that we are talking about, we do what we call hypo and hyper. So there is a sense of intensity that goes within each one of these. So we list uh, hundreds of words that, uh, that, that, give the dynamic of intensity. And so understanding where you are in the scale of intensity is what helps you emotionally get to that point of knowing, uh, okay, wait a minute, maybe what I need to do is try and back down this scale a bit because I'm seeing myself at a level and acceptance, I'm way at the top where now, you know, we, we, the secondary word we use is love, but what happens when this emotion becomes an addiction, when it becomes a craving, that is acceptance, but now... The acceptance is, 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 is wanting to be accepted. Is that what you're talking accepted, about? Accepted, being yeah. loved, right. Yeah. Being yeah. loved, to be well, accepted. It's, that's, that's the passive version of it. It's what right. I want to love and what I want in yeah. my life, what I want to draw to myself. I went to a picnic this last weekend, and they had uh, hot dogs, and they had Italian sausage with peppers and onions. And I like hot dogs, but I love Italian sausage with peppers and onions. So my, my greater desire of acceptance for Italian sausage is going to cause me to take that one. But the guy in front of me took the last one. <laughs> now, now am I so obsessed with getting it? I'm going to go to a store and buy more. You have to go or to am I going to take it off the guy's plate? Or am I going to say to him, can you cut that in half and give me half? Or am I going to just... Yeah. throttle back my drive and have a hot dog. So there's nothing wrong with love. The challenge is when it's either too low, too moderate, too uh, modest for the situation. I, I have a puppy. I love my puppy, but I don't want to do anything for the puppy. Well, you need to up your love there a little bit. And we want to intensify your desire for this animal because it's so critical, you as the caregiver. If you're obsessed with the puppy and you cannot leave that right. poor animal alone, now that's the problem. So love in and of itself is not automatically good, nor is it automatically bad. The question that we always ask is, what's it doing to you and what are you going to do with it? So if it's too low, I want to up it. If it's too high for the situation, I want to bring it down 
and that's what we do is we we try to correctly uh, design our acceptance around what it is that that is available to us and what it is we can have and hold and consume. Frequently in families, you know, they, they quote fall out of love. What that means is their role of they are willing to accept less and less and less about the other person. It drops down. When you fall in love, you accept more and more and more. It, it works both ways. Yeah. And understanding and understanding the situation is going to dictate the emotion and the intensity of that emotion. Mm-hmm. So you could have, if, if you look at, for example, the second one, which is exposure, which is right. fear, right. we'd say, well, fear is not a good thing. Well, wait a minute, time out. If you are walking down a path, I live in the Pacific Northwest, a wonderful land of, of great mountains and, and lots of wonderful wildlife, and you're walking down a trail, you're hiking, and you come upon a significantly large black bear mama yep. with two baby cubs. Uh oh. <laughs> don't you don't you want there to be almost terror in your life right yeah, now? Yeah, fear is really good right then. Yeah, it gets and the adrenaline going. If you going. run downhill, <laughs> yes. If you run downhill, you're going to get away. If you try climbing a tree, that may yeah. not be a wise thing to do. But your fear is yeah. going to empower your legs. Uh, in a very significant way. Fear right. is very good there. Right. Terror is actually pretty good there. Yeah, terror yeah. is really good there because you don't want to stay there. Yeah. Right, right. And so, I, but I think fear, to- yeah, but fear for something that that you hasn't happened yet. Ah. Yeah, you know, that's yes. the, they, it, they say that fear is an acronym for false expectation appearing real. Yeah. <laughs> Sure, and and one of the senses of perception that we teach is imagination. And so when a sense of a a severe lack of safety and security, that I am very intimidated, I am very terrified by something that is purely in my mind, it is imaginary, the fear is authentic. What it's doing to my body, my heart rate, my perceptions, my motivations, my behaviors is all very, very real. Yeah. But the problem is the interaction with my imagination is where the critical moment is. So right. if I can begin to unravel that, now we can get somewhere with the fear. But if right. it's based on something actually real yeah. in my life yeah. that others may not know about, now I'm dealing with a different issue altogether. Right, right. So, so the second one is exposure. Yeah. Right. So then how about uh, empowerment? Well, I think it's really interesting right now. This is probably the one that we would uh, say in our society, well, actually the three and what we would say in the middle of the system, which are exposure, empowerment, and depletion. Mm-hmm. So currently within our current world and our current society, is those are the dynamics that seem to be functioning uh, at incredibly high levels. We would try high, we would call hyper levels, right. and anger. The whole empowerment part, which we sublabel as anger, is one of those that is permeating so much of our country right now. Right. And that dynamic, though, is that again we come back to the situation and say. Is 
the emotion that that is being displayed is that emotion appropriate for the actual situation have you even thought about where you are in this sense of scale of hyper or hypo the emotion of anger itself or exposure itself is neutral that it is not it's not good or bad it is what do you do with it what is it doing to you and what do you do with it and and what we see and i believe i can say that for both of us is there's this very sense of 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 people being very hyper with anger with exposure and they don't even know why they're being that intense right because they haven't even thought that through um and so you see these ongoing things that just keep functioning and keep functioning because right now uh that's that's become almost a norm for them but they have lost perception they have lost the sense of where they really are so they just keep moving higher up the scale of anger uh, of empowerment because that's really all they know and they nobody's helping them back down off of that to give them a real sense i think that we find ourselves because of what we we have this sense of where we no longer can actually sit down and have real dialogue you talked about um you know earlier i think before we started the show that the the dynamic that went on uh uh between justice ginsburg and scalia and they were very dear friends but they had very different views on life but they were able to sit down and dialogue and be real people well that that's because they they were open to having that kind of relationship that would grow because they understood each other. Right, right. But, but, they, but they were willing to see each other, if you will, as sacred entities, that they were people of value and worth and of substance, and they were worth hearing out yeah. just because they had value. You know, I I also think a part of it is, you know, when I think about the brain and and when people feel that they have to be defensive of their view, you know, I had a mediation mm -hmm. that lasted late yesterday evening, and I had to say to each of them separately, I had them on Zoom, and I'd go back and forth and back and forth, and I'd say, you know, would you rather be happy or right? (laughs) But but, but what I saw happening and how I was able to kind of deal with them was – they came in and they were in this section of their brain called the amygdala, which is the fight, flight, or flee, right. you know? Right. And when you're in that mode of strong emotion, all these chemicals are happening, right? You've got cortisol mm-hmm. and you've mm-hmm. got adrenaline and, and mm-hmm. epinephrine and all, you know, you're, right. you're ever, all that stuff that helps you get away from the bear. Right. But right. it's, but, but it you can't think straight. You can't get back into your frontal lobes and think straight. So what happens with these people, they don't know how to get back into that calm mode where they mm-hmm. can think again. That's what I'm seeing. I see it mm-hmm. every day when I'm with people. Mm-hmm. I have to help them to get calm 
so that they can mm-hmm. think that. So, you know, mm-hmm. how do you guys do it? The, the third emotional system was the hardest for me to actually give a title to. And I eventually selected empowerment, which has its own load culturally. It's used in many, many different ways. Uh, and, and, and I chose it because it was the most neutral sounding word to what so many people automatically assume is a negative uh, emotion. Um, I put into empowerment being annoyed or irritated at a low level, but I also put competition and aggression and, and drive and determination, uh, courage can go in here, um, you, right, as well gonna, as rage. Yes. I can't believe it. Would you believe it? I'm looking at the clock and we are already there. Unbelievable. Oh <laughs> you know what that means? That means that people are going to have to buy a book. So I just want to say the name of your book, Why Do People Act That Way? And What Can I Do About It? by Dr. Mike with a Y. Merrill, M-E-R-R-I-L, and there's two L's, and then two he would, yeah, and his wonderful editor um, is the other Mike from the West Coast, and that's Mike Wilson. So Mike and Mike, we're going to have to go, so just give your website, and it's time. It's the name of the book, www.whydopeopleactthatway.com. Okay, thank you so much. We'll have to talk again. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. We love it. Bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org. On the web, I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. and visit our website at conflicthealing.com. Thank you. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.